Hello Whatnots, this is Graham McMillan, one of the two hosts of Wait What and Baxter Building, here to offer a bit of a spoiler for this week's episode. We said last time, and in fact we say in the introduction to this episode, that this edition of Baxter Building is going to be covering issues 25 through 36 and annual number 2 of Fantastic Four, but sadly that is not the case. When Jeff and I were recording this, we had a terrible, terrible, terrible time getting it started. We lost about half an hour to Skype problems. And the problem with that is we had a hard stop because of our schedule, which means that we don't get through everything. What we actually get through this time around is issues 25 through 35. So we're very close. We didn't do issue 36. We didn't do annual two. Both of those are going to be covered next time. But I just want to let you know for those who are following a look home that even though we say in the introduction we're going to be doing 36 and annual two, we don't quite get there, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Here is the cold open of Baxter Building Episode 3. I hope you enjoy. Hi, hi listeners. <laughs> hi, listeners. Jeff and I have, uh, we should you not, been getting cut off for the last half hour. Yeah. And it might still happen now. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just assuming that it won't, although you sound better. You sound better as well, so I'm kind of hoping that something worked out right. I don't even know what went wrong. And part of me is really nervous to open up the files, like the PDFs, mm, mm-hmm. in, in case like somehow that is what did it. Dude, totally. I closed my web browser and I'm yeah, like, oh I, God, I I'm everything. opening I, reached up. Out, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to open up anything. But, you know, we have to in order to talk about these comics. <laughs> Hi listeners, welcome to the Baxter Building. Uh, I'm Gray McMillan, this is my very patient co-host, and let's be honest, wonderful human being, Jeffrey Lester. Hey, everyone. I wish Graham would stop lying about me. I'm terrible. It's true. He is terrible. Just before we get cut off, he was telling me all the terrible, terrible debauched things that he was getting up to. And all I'm going to say is this. We're lucky that that got cut off. Otherwise, you might be going to jail, Jeff, for <laughs> debauchery, for crimes against humanity. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. I think I think that's probably what happened was I actually talked about stuff that was so terrible uh Skype basically just like put its They're hand like, over nope. its ears. Yeah, it was like nope, no, none of that. No, no, no. So um But yeah, yes. we're not going to talk about that now. No. We are instead going to talk about the Fantastic Four because that's why we're here. That's why people listen to this, which is still somewhat amazing to me. <laughs> uh, we are, this time at round, talking about Fantastic Four issues 25 through 36. I think I'm correct in saying that. And annual number two. Yes. And I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying that annual number two was probably the highlight for me. And I would not be surprised was the highlight for Jeff as well. You know, actually, that's a that's a really good question. Um... Well, I, I should say also that this run is the first time so far in doing this mm-hmm. where I've read the 12 that we have to do for the podcast, and I'm so into it that I want to keep going. Oh, okay, great, great. Because that was it. I have to say that um, I think I felt that they were – there was a really good rhythm for all of this stuff, you know? Yeah, right, because previously there's been the – 
you know, that's a great one. Oh, this sucks. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, yeah. this sucks. Especially in the last half. The last half, it really did seem to be like you had a great issue, so you knew the next one was going to be terrible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's still a couple of duds here. I think the uh, issues 25 and 26, the, the Hulk two-parter, just doesn't do as well as it should or doesn't do as well as they, they wanted to. It's really interesting, isn't it? Like, I, I have to say, like, reading those two issues uh, and then kind of rereading them, there's there's a lot of great bits. There's not really a lot of um, dead space or anything. Uh, and yet they feel kind of they feel kind of fill in issuey in a way they just yeah well well part of it is and okay so we are now on officially talking about Fantastic Four issue twenty five and twenty six issue twenty five right. is called the fabulous Fantastic Four because remember that's what they're called the fabulous Fantastic Four present colon the battle of the century comma the Hulk versus the thing <laughs> that's that's the title of the story I think the title of the story really is the Hulk versus the thing but that's no the entire story title <laughs> is presents colon the battle of the century comma the hulk versus the thing okay okay that that was also what i was going to say graham yes that's exactly right i'm glad we're on the same page here jeff (laughs) and it opens with a moment that is going to immediately immediately get turned around which is Reed and the uh, rest of the Fantastic Four are trying to get the thing to drink a formula that will turn him back into Ben Grimm. But he doesn't want to do it because if he does that, then Alicia won't love him. Yes. And that train of thought will, I think as soon as the next issue, be be flipped around. So he's like, well, I can't be with Alicia because I'm the thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was Ben Grimm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, I do think that this is one of those areas where... Uh, kind of, you know, who's paying attention becomes kind of a, a really good question here. Because I, I do feel that in some ways, over the these next 12 issues, we see um, a certain degree of... Um, Coherence. For, of, of what? Coherence. For the most part. Uh, uh, let's put it this way. There's a lot of, uh, a certain degree of forward movement on the relationship between Reed and Sue. I feel yes, like that's yes, definitely a, much, yes. it gets very very clarified, but the thing is very much e- even taking into to account the idea that he is kind of a the idea that he's capricious is sort of built into his character. You know, kind of he's a contrarian. Um, you just kind of get the sense that there's not really a roadmap as to where where Ben is at any given issue uh, in terms of how he feels about um you know being the thing it's almost like whatever makes for the best opening scene which is yeah. fine but or, or not even the best opening scene but whatever makes for the best interpersonal drama yeah 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 um and what is interesting is by this point they have very very firmly said okay the most important thing in Ben Grimm's life is Alicia yes that that is set. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, but beyond that, everything's up for grabs. Yes. Yeah. And and in a you know, which for the most part is fine. But I would say that the closest story, the closest, how do I put it? All of these issues for me are incredibly entertaining. I'm not really sure that there's there, the two. I'm surprised by the two that come the closest to sort of quote unquote hitting it out 
of the park for me, apart from FF Annual 2. But there's a lot of them that I feel sort of kind of trip over themselves one way or the other. And the, the issue with the first appearance of Diablo in particular is one that feels like it really gets tripped up because part of what makes that story, what what has to make the, that story work is the idea that, that Ben wants to be the thing so much that he's, a, he's willing to enter into a year's worth of servitude to Diablo, which really kind of doesn't make any sense in oh, the yeah. issues there, that there, we see leading up to it. There's well there's so much in that issue that doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. It's it's that is an issue that only works if you're sort of reading that Fantastic Four issue in so, you know, in solitude. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the only Fantastic Four story that you know. Yeah. Because there's so much about it that doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, let's get to it. We'll talk about it later because, of course, there's a lot of things that I, I find potentially quite interesting with it. Um, one thing that I think is interesting is issue 25, 26, and, and uh, also, I guess, um, 28, We Have to Fight the X-Men, is very much the FF versus other Marvel heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, And for the most part, I feel that Kirby's pretty down with it, which is great. I, I definitely think there's a lot of longer action scenes that, that mm-hmm. in issues 25 and 26. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's actually, I, I, in many ways, I feel this is the first two-parter that feels like it should be a two-parter. Yes. I feel when they did that before, it felt oddly, like the pacing was just crazy. Yeah. Um, But this one works in large part because the fight scene with the Hulk in issue 25 Mm-hmm. is extended it, yes. it's it's and it's also a fight scene unlike other fight scenes where it's essentially a series of solo fights yeah it's the human torch versus the hulk it's the thing versus the hulk mm-hmm. um and the team is dispersed yes and one of the things that's great about it too i think is the is how it's not just the thing versus the hulk it's the thing versus hulk on land sea and water I mean, land, sea, and air, you know? And so I think there's something that's very um, paced out really well. I mean, Mm -hmm. this could just be because I'm definitely pro-thing in a motorboat, but the scenes of... (laughs) No, no, but all you're right. All of it is. The the Thing Hulk Mm -hmm. uh, battle, you know, suitably for a story called The Hulk versus The Thing, Mm -hmm. um, earns its keep as the centerpiece of the issue. It is... Very, very well done. Mm-hmm. And and the pacing of the issue up to that, I think, works as well, in that you have the Hulk dealing with the Human Torch first. Mm-hmm. The, the Human Torch essentially finds him by accident and is then defeated in, like, a page. Yeah. Uh, but that alone is enough to get the thing uh, emotionally involved enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that he doesn't give up. Yeah. Um, and, and so you do have the great conflict between the two of them that is hilariously destructive mm-hmm. but hilarious i mean hilariously destructive the, the hulk rips a bus in two at one point for no apparent reason other yeah. than you're behind the bus right not like i want to lift the bus up or i want to go around he's just like i just want to get you so i'm going to rip this bus into right um but then you have the wonderful part where he throws the thing on top of a building, and then he just decides to lift up the building and shake it until the thing comes back yeah, down. Comes back down at him, yeah. Which then leads to the thing going through the sidewalk and electrocuting the Hulk, and it feels like everything is an escalation. Yes, which is super. 
exciting as a reader because it's very kinetic and it feels very organic. Yeah. It feels throughout the whole thing that the thing is just whatever I have to do to put this guy down. Like, I'm getting my ass handed to me, whatever I have to do. Well, and that is actually one of the other things I really appreciate about issue 25 is it's very much presented as these two guys are going to slug it out and we're going to find out who's the strongest. And if you and, and you do, you do a, a you totally do, and B what's great. What I really appreciate is is that it's one of those times where I feel like uh, Lee and Kirby are enough in sync that it's you see that the thing is actually outclassed before he admits it. You yes, know, because he doesn't really, really admit it until the final page. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you, but up until that point, he is just on the run. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there, there comes a point, at, and you're right, it's it's the point where they're in the water. Mm-hmm. Where the thing, whether or not he's realized it, mm-hmm. but he, on some level he realizes that he's he's going to get his ass kicked. Yeah. And he goes from being aggressive to being defensive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. everything after that is... He's not even trying to beat the Hulk anymore. He's trying to stay around. Yeah. He's trying to stay around. He's trying to contain the Hulk. And and the thing that's gr- terrific is Kirby being Kirby, you know, the Hulk is the guy who gets to, because he's sort of a rampaging beast, he gets to do the big show-stopping, like, I'm tearing the bus in half, I'm ripping this building apart. Um, and you, you think that, in a way, you think it's, well, it's just because the Hulk is this almost, you know... Uh, it, it has no regard for other life or property and the things being a little bit more restrained. But it just, toward the end, it becomes more and more apparent. It's like, no, the thing is running out of gas. And so by the time he it sort of admits it, like, and you see it in the story before he actually admits it, but he's got the Hulk tethered up with this cable and he admits to himself how exhausted he is. And, yeah, and, which, is, which is so great. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things. I feel sometimes like some of the conflicts between Lee and Kirby, apart from how to treat Mr. Fantastic, which is its own separate poisoned chalice, uh, is very much with Lee trying to figure out ways to amplify the drama um, whenever he can. And I really feel that the end of issue 25 is him working doing that with sort of a maximum effectiveness because well, he, he's managing to amplify the drama while downplaying it. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like there is a way that he could have been so much worse. Oh, totally. Where he, where yeah, he could have yeah. essentially just been, you know, ha- have the, the thing verbalized as mm-hmm. opposed to in, you know, in thought balloons say like, you know, I'm so tired. My arms can't keep this up, mm-hmm. but have the thing actually say it. Yeah. And you know, there's a temptation to think that later Stanley would have done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, there's, that... there's, yeah, right. Because there's that part of later Stanley that falls in love with his melodrama. So there's the melodrama and there's just the drama. You know yes. what I mean? And, and, so... and here he manages to go for the drama. Yeah. And so when you get the final three panels of the issue, mm-hmm. which is the thing getting up after having his ass handed to him. Mm-hmm. And he says, that big brainless muscle bone creep beat me. It it never happened before. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what I needed. I was being to think I was unbeatable. Boy, what a laugh. That's great. Yes. Like that is so good mm-hmm. because you get him admit that he's not everything he, that he thought he was, mm-hmm. but then decide that he's going to, you know, try harder anyway, mm-hmm. which is the, that moment of like, that's a true hero. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a little bit of a thing that Lee does during this era is like when he has his superheroes fight, he will have one be the weaker, but then he always emphasizes on how that makes them the braver one. You yes, know? but I, I feel that's almost getting its start here because if you pay attention to the rest of the issue, like the Fantastic Four fan page where it's talking about what other comics are around, mm-hmm. uh, this is coming out contemporaneously with Avengers 4. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel you're that... Right. You're I feel right. that Captain America is the character Stanley loved doing that with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stanley loved doing the, this guy is more powerful, but gosh darn it, I'm going to give it my all. Well, that, or, that was a Captain America thing for me. Or, very or that Daredevil versus Submariner fight that's a long ways down the road now, I'm realizing. You know, it's relatively early on in Daredevil's run, um, but but it's very much that same sort of thing. And yeah, Captain America is, is kind of... Uh, um, yeah, just it just gets it just gets yeah. it just gets amplified here. So it's so it's one of the things that's great is it's like issue twenty five is really really strong. Issue twenty six is well, well, before you go into issue twenty six. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've not talked about the absolutely. I have no idea what the plan was here. Uh, Reed Richards is sick and goes into a coma plot. Oh, I love that plot in issue twenty five. I love that plot. Which is, I mean, I guess they just, I, I, is it, uh, you have to wonder, is, did Kirby just want rid of Mr. Fantastic? If you ask me, yes. If you ask me, because again, there's just that thing of like... Because it makes no sense. Uh, well... No, nothing about it makes sense. Out of nowhere, he collapses. He's uh, burning with fever. Yes. And then later in the issue, he goes into a coma. Yeah, which again, I don't think Stanley knew what a coma was. I don't think Stanley <laughs> understood like coma or sleep and yes. the difference between them. Yeah, uh-huh. because he because he then like just wakes up from the coma. It's the best part. He's yeah. like, okay, I'm in my coma. <laughs> well, and I think th- I think this is part of how issue twenty six, in its attempt to sort of build to something bigger, arguably undercuts the drama for for the issue that precedes it, because. The, the plotting on 25 very much looks like this idea of, like, Reed's incapacitated, and so there's not going to be the little, depending on how you want to look at it, the, there either it's, there's not going to be a Mr. Fantastic-style deus ex machina coming out of the end to just sort of whisk the Hulk away, um, or it's, you just don't have to listen to him, you know, as Al Ewing put it, you know, yell from the next room how the thing is doing it wrong. You know, um, but I, I, I think I think to me, there's also a degree to which the, the, the core of issue 25 is, if nothing else, Ben realizes not only does he get his ass handed to him by the Hulk, but there's a little bit of that idea of the Fantastic Four are a team. And when they're yes. a team, they're unbeatable. Yes. And and that's what issue 26 should be. But because the Avengers come in, it ends up changing into well, 26 is a is kind of a mess yeah it's a it's issue 25 is mess. really is a really good first half mm-hmm. and issue 26 has all the ingredients to be a great second half yeah and just doesn't because 
pretty much midway through, it becomes an issue of the Avengers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or or it becomes... It uh, it's, it's changes its focus in yeah. such a way that the gimme of a second part mm-hmm. is just lost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Well, it, the, the focus so gets changed to the idea of like, hey, it's the Avengers are here, but there's a little bit of this idea of instead of it being a super team-up, um, you know, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, especially Iron Man and Mr. Fantastic, are so busy being alpha males that honestly they they keep getting in each other's way. Yeah, and it is looking at it I was just looking at it from today, but looking at it in general, mm-hmm. the the alpha male thing between Mr. Fantastic and Iron Man is hilarious. Yes. Yeah. So Readers, if you've not been reading along, and, and we hope you have, it's fun when you've been reading along. But if you have not, what happens is the Avengers confront the Hulk, and they they have a plan to take care of the Hulk. And then the Fantastic Four decide they want a rematch. And instead of basically teaming up, they get in each other's way. And when the Hulk jumps away, they then have just pissy conversations with each other it's about great. whose fault it is. I, Look, I we've heard it. of you, Avengers, and we have a great deal of respect for you, but we started this battle with the Hulk, and we like to finish it ourselves. <laughs> and then Iron Man... And then, I was like, sorry, Richards, it's no dice. The Hulk used to be one of us, and we feel he's our responsibilities. We can handle him the best. I mean, Sue's in the background there. Did you not just want her to step up in front and be like, boys, you're both pretty. You know, I would like to say that would be wonderful, but honestly, so, oh, she's just as bad as uh, just as bad in the previous panel as well. Oh yeah, with, with, with Giant Man hilarious. I never thought a girl would be able to stop me. Yeah, exactly. and she understandably is like, I meant to, like fuck you. Although she says, I meant to use my invisible power on the Hulk, not you. Yeah. Yeah, but she's pretty much giving Iron Man the big old stink eye. I mean, the thing that's hilarious... In that panel, she really is. It's hilarious. It is awesome. The thing that is really interesting about Sue is even when Reed Richards is in a coma and therefore cannot talk about how great he is, like, Sue is right there to talk about how awesome he is. Oh, she'll pick up the slack. Oh, easily. (laughs) Don't worry. Easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely by the time... Sue and Johnny's dad pop up a few issues from now. I'm kind of like, like you know they're not doing a, a, a very deep psychological portrait of any of these characters. And yet at the same time, I'm like, oh yeah, a lot of this makes too much sense. You know, it's <laughs> like there, there, is, there is way too much absent father figure issues going on with Sue Storm and her need to have the perfect dad. Um, that when you finally see the dad and just what a mess he is, you're kind of like, oh, right. Oh, gotcha. Yes, oh, that's right. Also, while I understand the way in which the Fantastic Four and the Avengers get in each other's way, it's basically plot service. Like, they have to do so. Yeah. The the mechanics of it still make no sense. Yes. They're so hilariously slapstick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, your arm wandered into my lasso. Oh, you wandered straight in front of my invisible force field. Waka, waka, waka. It really is. Or, or the Thor throws his hammer. Yes. And somehow it, he, Thor apparently is throwing his hammer at the Hulk who's in motion. Right. But for the, the joke to work, mm-hmm. Thor clearly doesn't realize how motion works. 
Because he throws it where the Hulk, where the thing, uh, where the right. Hulk was, and where yeah. the thing now is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the thing. Yeah, yeah. It's you lantern-jawed, long-haired lummox. <laughs> That's what the thing says. I. It's you know, and and so it's 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 fun enough on its own. It's really a nice change of pace from the way these superhero team-ups tend to go down, or you think they go down. Um, you know, it's kind of a nice little thumb in the eye. And yet, at the same time, by the time you get to the end of the issue, you know, nothing's really happened. And, and honestly, you've gone from the beginning of the issue being a, like, the thing is all that stands between um, the Hulk and basically the military armed forces being willing to destroy New York to mm. get him mm-hmm. to... The Avengers show up and, well, okay then. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's you have such drama set up at the end of issue 25. Yeah. Because you have the the thing who has been defeated, who has had his ass handed to him, mm-hmm. thinking, I, I just can't give up. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to keep fighting on, even though I know I'm going to lose. I have to keep fighting on. Yeah. You have uh, Reed Richards in a coma. Mm-hmm. You have Johnny has also had the shit beat out of him mm-hmm. and it's in hospital. Yeah. Uh, and so you have a, like, who the hell is going to stop the the Hulk? Mm-hmm. And this, this issue isn't just, oh, it turns out it's someone else. It's it's someone else with hilarious consequences. Yes. It, it really is amazing the extent to which either Lee and Kirby didn't realize what they had set up in issue 25 mm-hmm. or they just couldn't be bothered paying it off. Yeah, I I sort of half feel sadly that it's it, it's both. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I think it, I, honestly, I think it might be. My my personal feeling and and this is probably you know really wrong uh, is is that issue twenty five in so many ways feels like such a a Kirby issue to me. You know, um, and then the Avengers take over really seems like. Kirby, I mean, the scenes are all kind of uh, interesting, but he it they, he just doesn't have his focus. It's a little bit of Kirby's well, ADD it, uh, kicks back in again. You yeah, know? and also the the previous issue is very good, as we're saying with with the drama. Mm-hmm. I'm setting this up and selling this as a right, like oh god, things are really going wrong. Yeah, and the last panel mm-hmm. of issue 26 just shows how much the glibness of Stan Lee has stepped in. And it is Stan Lee's glibness, because when you see mm-hmm. Kirby doing his solo stuff, he never approaches this level. Yeah. So if you think about everything that has happened, bear mm-hmm. in mind, the Mr. Fantastic has been in a coma and is presumably still horrendously sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Human Torch was in hospital with broken bones, mm-hmm. uh, and the thing had his ass handed to him. Mm-hmm. And Sue Storm goes, I'm so relieved that it's all over, and none of us was injured. <laughs> And the thing that goes, only my pride, baby. Only my pride. Yeah. It's so tone deaf considering where the story started. Yeah, where the story started and even where it was when it hit the midway point. I mean, it's very much a different issue. And who knows, maybe maybe it was one of those deals where, you know, Kirby was going in one direction and Lee was like, oh, this is great. Now we're going to bring in the Avengers and we're going to have them come in and and Kirby's just like, uh, really? That's uh, okay. Yeah, you know, was, I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so you get stuff because, I mean, let's face it, you have sequences that are just 
odd that draw attention to their own lack of consequence. You know, that there's that amazing sequence where the Hulk shambles into a subway station. A subway car comes right at him. You see it from the point of view of the conductor. And then the next page is just, just the, stopped it. Yeah, the car stops. There's absolutely no consequences. And then, admittedly, just as I'm pro thing in a motorboat, I'm definitely Hulk pro Hulk driving a subway car. But it's just like but this makes no sense. Like, why do like, you even... we talk about how sad he looks in that panel? Oh, it's totally true. <laughs> it's world saddest Hulk. Yeah, it is. Just sad Hulk. I mean, just that. Where is he going? What is the part in him where he's like, I've got to find the Avengers. Let me commandeer this subway train. It's exactly. I, I know I could leap across the city, mm-hmm. but that's tiring. I'm going yeah. to steal Ser- this subway Seriously. There's, there's some real, like, Hulk just needs some time to sit and be sad and think you know like i do not know what is going on there but yeah it really feels like 25 which just seems like such a kirby issue feels like kirby either loses either his attention spans just not there or it goes in directions that he doesn't want to go but it definitely checks out in a way that ends up being kind of i mean again really uh some of the stuff's enjoyable i i if if you could separate the second half of this issue from mm-hmm. everything that's gone before it, mm-hmm. it's it's fun. It is, you know. It, yeah, it, it's it's enjoyable in its uh, alpha heroes can't get out of their own way mm-hmm. are kind of shit heels to everyone around them. Yeah. you know there there is there is a level of enjoyment in there, mm-hmm. but it so wholly undermines everything that came before. Yeah, that you get whiplash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I definitely I definitely agree. It's it's uh and so you know it doesn't it doesn't really go anywhere. It's fun. It was a fun fun set of issues, but at the same time I did have a little bit of a yeah, yeah okay. You know what I mean? Which is a shame because that first half has so much to it that's really exciting. Um what do you think of uh, what do you think of issue 27, the search for or is it the search for the submariner? I think you find it's the fabulous Fantastic Four dare to undertake. Oh God, Grandma! <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not going to drop this, Jeff. <laughs> Just wait. By the time we get to the point where it's the the title bar across the top, mm-hmm. I, every issue I'm going to be saying Stanley presents a Fantastic Four. And then the name of the issue. <laughs> oh, just man. just wait. This That's is going on for a long time. Fabulous. Listeners and Jeff, I would say I'm sorry. <laughs> be warning. But I'm not. <laughs> You're not. You're clearly not even sorry, a little Graham. So. Um. What do you think of it? Uh, I think it features the most breathtaking Kirby and Lee are at odds sequence yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Submariner attacking the Fantastic Four in disguise, that he then removes his disguise to reveal himself. But that doesn't matter, because in the dialogue, he has said that it's Prince Neighbor yeah. in his first panel. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure... What the hell happened there? I I don't. But it it is the it is for me the most obvious. They're they're not paying attention, or it really Lee is not paying attention to what Kirby is doing. Well, or else Lee is trying to to. He can proactively solve problems that I I feel that Lee blows out of proportion because there is a certain amount of like you, your first batch of pages, like you, you know you know that. Submariner's there 
basically he takes off his awesome crown and is like okay i'm 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 going to i've got to i've got to follow my heart the next scene is a dude in a suit coming in with using a gun ambushing the thing and it's very much a I think Kirby intends it as a who's this mystery? Yeah, because just the usage of the gun, which you haven't seen from Namor, is very much a what? Like, but for Lee, it's like very much a no, 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 no. This is too confusing. This is too confusing. I've got to spell out that it's the Submariner immediately because otherwise people are going to think that it's somebody else. And it's just like what? But no, that's the and admittedly the way things. Kirby doesn't go for a very super dramatic reveal of the Submariner. He more or less just takes off a hat, you know? But that's supposed to, um, you know, Kirby's doing that to sort of underscore sort of the the terrifying casualness, you know, sort of the contempt with which he regards the rest of the Fantastic Four for the most part. So, I mean, the story to me is a little bit of a mess because, of course, Namer shows up and says to Sue, I'm asking for 24 hours to to win your heart, you know, but he really doesn't clearly know what the word ask means because he's basically goes on to take it, you know, despite the fact of Sue is saying that she's not okay with it, you know, so... One of the things that's rough is that it is, in a way, it feels like the lowest stakes Submariner story ever by this point. Because we've had other stories where basically everyone's like, Submariner would never do anything to hurt Sue. He'd never do anything to hurt her. But he would gas her and kidnap her. Um, but he'll gas her and kidnap her. But because of the sense of, like, unless there's, you know, I really do feel that if Lee had set, spent a little more time trying to build in the idea that that Submariner is going for a slightly stronger, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you're going to come with me and you'll be, you know, with me as long as it takes for you to realize that I'm the person that you love, then there might be a little more threat than the sort of magical f- story tale. Like, Oh, just give me 24 hours. Cause you... well, there's, there's so much about this issue that, that just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You, you weren't, and the listeners may recall that the last time we saw the Submariner, he was left alone and abandoned by all his Atlantean people. Yes. And then this issue opens, and look, he's the king again. Yeah. And, the, and Lee tries to deal with that. Yes. In dialogue, he says something like, like, not everyone, my people have fled from me, only a few faithful warriors remain. Right. Um, but, you know, that wasn't the case last time. Everyone had abandoned him. And in this issue, again, those warriors also abandoned him again mm-hmm. and then come back. And, and then the come back like, again. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we came back. Yeah. You know, it's like just, oh, it's even the attempt at clarification and attempt at continuity almost yeah. makes it worse. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I do think to me, and it could be wrong between, I just don't think that that is, again, I'm I'm assuming perhaps mistakenly that, that Kirby is doing a chunk of the plotting, or at the very least, they've moved on to the point where Lee is verbally discussing with Kirby the plots that he wants, and then Kirby goes. Kirby's doing everything else. Yeah. yeah, he's doing everything else, but he's he's not really he's not he's not necessarily researching it. He's not paying attention. Like you know, if 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 
least like, okay, we're going to, you know, bring back the Submariner, but this time, and he wants this and this and this and this. And Kirby's like, oh, okay, gotcha. And he goes off and draws it. He, he's not paying attention to the fact that the annual happened and all that other stuff. You know, Kirk, Kirby's sort of, uh, it's interesting to me seeing some of this stuff, you know, in that Kirby's um, approach to continuity is is not, it's not definitely not the same as what Lee's is, you know, and no, so, no, no. you know, and so conse- consequently, there is just stuff that is falling between the cracks. And you're right. I feel like Lee's attempt to kind of pace some of that back together doesn't really it doesn't make it work. It would have been better if there had been some sort of, you know, the c- conditional like people came back to Namor or it's like now that he's proved himself to him and he's confident like he's, you well, know, there, there is, there's another way to do this story or to do these opening pages. If you mm-hmm. look at the art, which is, you can look at it as the people came back to Namor and presented him with an ultimatum that he ultimately rejected. They abandoned him again. And that's why right. in the panel, he has the throne and he has the uh, crown in his hand mm-hmm. and then he goes to Sue. Yeah. 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 I think because I... he's lost everything else, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's such, and then, and that is before, so he kidnaps Sue, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the Reed, hilariously, is like, I'm going after him myself. Oh, man. Fuck you guys. And so, uh, Johnny and Ben go to Doctor Strange in an utterly pointless cameo. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and not just cameo, because it, uh, Doctor Strange is the Deus Ex Machina in the end. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, they, I'm going to magic them back from Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if I would thought about it, I could have just magic Sue back from Atlantis 10 pages earlier, but I but I didn't. Right. So, you know, I'll just I'll do it now. I suddenly remembered I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the entire story feels not like filler, mm-hmm. but utterly pointless it's arbitrary it feels it feels like an arbitrary and weightless issue yeah because again it's that idea of like despite the kidnapping i don't really feel like sue's at risk i don't feel like there's much sense that she's going in under those conditions that she's really going to be swayed by namer you don't really see her see her being swayed in in any way and a lot of it really feels like oh okay you get to see mr fantastic cut loose which visually is kind of fun but is uh, i don't know just such a drag like reed has is so slowly metamorphosizing into the stanley alpha male that i just <laughs> that i that i have so little respect for yes, you know you, you really just like primely read yeah. like it's it's hilarious and not for the reason he's actually a very 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 annoying character he really and is for all yeah. that that kirby tries to play him as a man of action lee will then overwrite the shit out of his dialogue yeah so that you know in the middle of this vicious fight scene he says things like, I warned you, the savagery of your attack has wasted an enemy who can easily dodge your blows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though yeah. your strength is many times greater than mine, you haven't the brain power to use it correctly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, he becomes like this annoying chair. Yeah, he's just, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's, oh, God. I, 
Yeah, it's funny because in previous issues, there's a little bit of the, um, there have been times where Reed sort of, I love Sue and I feel like she loves someone else. Maybe she loves this, this other guy kind of worked for me. It was like, okay, this, that's like the old sort of my in for the character. It's his weakness. Yeah. It's his weakness. I can handle it. But you know, he is so, um, pissy and it's, it's such a, it's such a mantrum, you know? Um, Well, let's, uh, let's remember what he says when, uh, the rest of the Fantastic Four show up because it ends with my favorite Reed Richards line to date. Oh yeah. Still making threats, eh, Namer? Stay back, Ben. I'm going to ram those mocking words down his throat. I'm going to make him wish he'd never heard of the human race. He's my pigeon. Mine alone. It's my pigeon. My pigeon? What page is that? Is that... that that's uh, page 15. Oh my He's God. my pigeon. Huh. I guess that's... As, do you know what Ben says in response? What's he okay, say? Okay, tall man. That's about giving me sloppy sick. Oh, yes. I do that, remember that because that, that scalded panel, my eyes. Yeah. Yes, I was that, like... that panel is like, wow, there's euphemisms to be had there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that one really was, I was like, oh, God, Stan, no. I mean, because, you know, who knows? Maybe he really thought that he was like, I don't know. I Well, oh, oh, let's not forget, sloppy seconds might not have had the same meaning back then as it does now. That's oh, the sound of my utter disbelief. But yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's possible. Yeah. No, it don't, has don't to be. You, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. I personally, sure. That's what it has to mean. It has to. You know well, what I mean? Either that or he once heard it and he didn't know what it meant. Well, that's what I, that's to me really the way it thinks. He's like, oh, I totally know what that means. Sure. Yeah. When, you know, someone else wants to step in. But and... just, but Ben's asking for sloppy seconds after Reed's quote, he's my pigeon. Yeah, it's true. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, Stan. Whoa. This is not <laughs> the place to break out the prison slang of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's uh, who boy. Yeah, so yeah. again, fun. And I mean, yeah, you know, th- this is this is not a great issue. Yeah. Um, and again, that's a really weirdly tone deaf end. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the end is uh, the Fantastic Four kind of beat Namor, I guess. <laughs> like it's not it's not really definitive in either way. And then right. Doctor Strange basically <laughs> yanks them out of of Atlantis before it comes to to more blows. Yes. Um, and they end up back in the submarine, and Reed says, Sue, darling, about what you said back in Namor's place. Because back then, she said that uh, Reed is the only man for me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's her exact line. Uh, Sue, darling, about what you said back in Namor's place. And she goes, please, Reed, I'd, I'd, rather pref- I'd prefer not to discuss it. I'm still so shaken. Mm-hmm. And then thinks, of, oh, Reed, you blind fool. Of course it's you I love, but how can I ever convince you? You'll always suspect I may have just been trying to protect you or name her. And then it goes, it's this wonderful panel of Reed's head and his hands on a steering wheel, yes. not the rest of his body. No. With like lightning bolts coming off of where his body should it be. It really is amazing. It really is like Kirby is like, uh, like he's trying to beat a postal deadline or he just got called to dinner. But it is so much of mm-hmm and done. But you know. But I mean, first of all, it makes no sense because yeah. you'd think Reed would be like, "Wait, that's great. 
Mm-hmm. I've been this jealous dick for so long. Right. And now you said that. But instead, Stan is trying to keep that going by going like, oh, she clearly doesn't believe me. Right. Right. Well, because I think, again, there's a little bit of – there might be a bit of a disconnect in that what – in that no, Lee's it, it, tracking – the way that Lee's tracking it, it's like, okay – this declaration, like Sue's declaration, is supposed to solve things for Reed, and it's supposed to be, it's a big turning point in their relationship, you know? But because Kirby doesn't draw it like that, Lee can't script it like that. He's well, got to... No, also, Kirby doesn't draw it like he, she, he, Reed doesn't understand either. Mm-hmm. Kirby draws an entirely passive Reed Richards mm-hmm. for the entire scene. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, if there is a disconnect, it's Lee disconnecting with himself. Mm-hmm. It's so just weirdly, you know, he's going one way and then he changes his mind to keep the melodrama going. It, it's just 27, 27 is, is not a good issue. Well, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if like, it wouldn't surprise me if again, I could see that basically Sue steps in and says in Kirby's pencils, you know what? Don't hurt my friends. I'll stay with you. You know, I don't I don't love you, but you know, the most important thing to me, uh, you know, are these people or whatever. And then Doctor Strange has finished off his ripple. I was like, "Okay, magical." Yoink. Yeah, exactly. And so and so you would end up with an ending that's almost the opposite where it's kind of like Sue has basically committed to Namor yes. and then everyone's like, "Oh yeah, but you just said that cuz of you know what I mean? But but because it somehow gets changed around, because of the way that it's staged, you know, like I think Lee, because I think, I think Lee is always a big fan of the hero has to be as active as possible. And, you know, even if they're getting, you know, hit with a blackjack from behind, they're doing that like my only chance, feign rolling forward and, you know, throw them off guard. You know, and Kirby is a fan. <laughs> that, that is so Lee. Yeah. That he will be giving a final like someone being shot to death. <laughs> and their thought balloon will be, maybe if I play dead, then right. they will stop shooting because that might hurt other people. Exactly. Exactly. It's always that active thing. And Kirby is is much more willing to have people get KO'd, knocked out, do the passive thing, and, and even do something like a... a Okay, I'll give in if it's what you you know if it's what you want as long as we stop the fight, and then and then have an arbitrary you know kind of like Doctor Strange Yoinko, and then and leave things unsettled in a way that Lee is kind of like you can see him like be like no that's not good oh wait now I'm in a corner let me redo this you know it 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 it's unnecessarily convoluted you know it's re- there's a real easy way to see it out but. But I just feel like Lee is just too like, ah, no, I can't have the Fantastic Four lose. They've got to win because they're yes, the heroes and they, they win. They're, yeah. the, they're the winners. They've got to win. It's like, well, then why isn't this a big victorious you know, panel then? He's like, give me a second. Give me a second. Hey, letters, you know, come on, kids. Let's read some letters. <laughs> Issue so. 28. Yes, mm-hmm. is the final thank fuck part of the Fantastic <laughs> Four 
meet all of the other characters in the yes. Marvel Universe mm-hmm. because let's try and raise some sales. So yes. we've had the Hulk in issue 25. We've had the Avengers in issue 26. We've had Doctor Strange for no reason in issue 27. Oh, yeah. And issue 28 is called The Fabulous Fantastic Four are shocked to learn we have to fight the X-Men. You are the best, Graham McMillan. I love the idea that you are still pretending that that's the title of the story. <laughs> it's the, definitely the title, Jeff. It's, de- it's, it's a full sentence. The Fabulous Fantastic Four are shocked to learn we have to fight the X-Men. <laughs> it's, it's a full <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I understand. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, so in this issue... Yes. Um, two of... Jeff's favorite uh, previous villains return. Yes. The Puppet Master and the Mad Thinker, along with, of course, his awesome android. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately, I want to point out something, which is uh, the Stanley retcon has hit again. And this time, the Mad Thinker tells the Puppet Master that Mr. Fantastic built the android. Mm-hmm. Which is not what happened <laughs> for anyone who read that issue. Yes. Uh, the Thinker actually built the android, so I clearly he's thinking so much that his memory is failing. Oh, that would that would actually be great. Oh man, I so want to do like a Mad Thinker Alzheimer's story where he can keep perfect focus of everything that's happening in the future, but he can't retain anything that's just happened to him. Like that that would actually be. I'm not kidding. I think that would actually Marvel, be kind Marvel of Marvel comics writers who are listening to this podcast because we know you're out there. That idea is free. <laughs> that is. Great. You can have that one. That's that's all that's all there. Just make sure that he runs over a a a left fester Jill type character. You know. Wow. That that sounded even more awkward than I think it actually was. <laughs> Success. Anyway, <laughs> let's face it. This story exists for one reason and one reason only, and that's to advertise the X Men comic. No, no, no. Well, okay, that's the first reason. The second reason, though, is the second one reason and one reason only. The second, well, because you snuck that reason in, Graham. That wasn't the reason I was going with, but you're right. That is that is the reason. The other reason is it is either I can't quite tell to a. Finally, let us know once and for all that the Puppet Master and Professor X are not the same person, or <laughs> they're, they're not even vaguely the same person, dude. Damn. They're oh, bald in oh, the a purple suit. They're both drawn with purple suits. They're but purple suits. The Puppet Master has semicircle eyebrows, and then when you see uh, Professor X, he's just got dark, uh, like Dan Deere eyebrows. Uh huh. It's very. It's the eyebrows. It's all in the eyebrows. Yeah, I think people were confused, and I think they want us to confuse them because it's like. Bald, purple suit, mind control. Bald, well, purple suit, mind control. Well, can we talk again about the Puppet Master and his lack of ambition? And in this case, it's the Mad Thinker's idea. So yes. the Mad Thinker's utter lack of ambition. Actually, before I even get there, can we also talk about the fact that the Mad Thinker has completely changed his uh, his method since the last time we saw him? Yes. First time we saw him, he was all about probability. This time he's like, I came up with a scheme. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of a shame because I really like the I have you know I've mathematically worked all this out. Anyway, well yes, the and thinker... because yes, uh, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but there is a thing, sort of the way that we were talking in the previous episode about two episodes, the puppet master is kind of a uh, this sort of fairy tale magical 
you know, type story. His first appearance is very much he's scary in a in an almost fairy tale like way. He looks oh, yeah, like a human. He's a wicked doll. stepfather. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's a he's a wicked stepfather. And the the mad thinker is a is a figure of sort of representing a you know humanless universe, a universe in which he, he's he's basically the proponent of the anti-life equation, like he, the X factor that is actually human existence um, is the only thing that prevents him from being able to calculate absolute everything from happening down to the exact second. It's weird that these two characters are to me they would be opposites. You know what I mean? Like yes, they really it, it, seem to represent. It's kind of ridiculous that they team up. Yeah, it, it, it's it's somewhat nonsensical, but that's okay because everything in the story is nonsensical. Well, and that's one of the things that that I think goes on to be sort of um, it's frustrating about about the issue. Again, there's a little bit of a feel of Kirby's going to put in the work as far as the action scenes go, but the story on kind of a page well, by page basis. You know. Yeah, here as I was saying, here is my problem with yes. the plot. The puppet master takes over Professor Xavier mm-hmm. with his his radioactive clay, and is this the first time I think they've they've explained that it's the radioactive clay that makes him powerful? Uh, I want to say it is, but I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe I. You know, it's actually a really good question. I thought for some reason there was some sort of the first issue, but it might have been just the most vague of illusions. So yeah, let, let's. But go anyway, with so mm-hmm. so he takes over Professor Xavier. Professor Xavier, don't forget, is an incredibly powerful telepath who yes. can control people's minds. Does the puppet master use Professor Xavier? because he wants to go to the Fantastic Four, to have him then possess the Fantastic Four and have them kill themselves? No. Does he have them possess the X-Men so that the X-Men can then go and kill them? No. Yeah. Does he use the Professor Xavier to basically go, hey, why don't you guys... Look, you kids are bored. You're hanging around the house a lot. Why don't you go and, and just... just You know, why don't you just go and kill the Fantastic Four? Yeah, right. get get out from under my get out from under my feet or my wheels. Mm-hmm. Just just go and take care of it. It's amazing. It's yes. amazing that they have this character who, if they want, if this man thinker is serious in his aims, <laughs> there are so many more things that he could be doing. Yeah, than he is. Yeah, no. Let's By face just it. Saying, mm-hmm. Why don't you just tell the X Men and so let them be suspicious? Mm-hmm. Although apparently not suspicious enough that they don't do it. Oh yeah, they're suspicious enough that they're like, "Well, that's fucking weird, but let's do it." Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 crazy, and on top of it, it's very much a you guys go pretend to do this thing, then kidnap the invisible girl, then bring her out to the plateau, then I will launch my completely useless death traps. Then and and what I love is after all this happens, of course, um, you know the puppet master uses the 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 puppet of Professor X to hit Professor X with a double dose, a triple dose of "You Must Obey," which let's face it, that is an awesome panel in and of itself, just on its own. The the panel uh, oh, no, five no, on the, page the, sixteen. The, the, the "You Must Obey," "You Must Obey," "You Must Obey" panel. Is wonderful. And also, can we talk about how great it is that the Puppet Master is like, he's not obeying. I'll just tell him that he has to obey four times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I've just, I've got to turn it up. 
<laughs> I've, got, I've got to really wrap it up. You must be. He's not a big. You must be. He's not a big. You must be. He's not a big. You must be. And then apparently that worked. What? And the other thing that's crazy is it sort of seems like the the idea with the Mad Thinker being like, oh, we're unstoppable because I can calculate exactly how much clay you can use to to conquer Professor X's mind. Part of me is like, but what happens if you use too much? Like, why can't you just just glob all that shit on there. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't get, there's a, there's definitely a well, weird disconnect. I mean, there, there's so much that doesn't make sense about this. For example, they, well, first of all, they kidnap uh, Sue Storm. Yes. The Fantastic Four Guard, they beat, uh, well, they, they don't really beat the Fantastic Four the second time. They do beat the Fantastic Four the first time, yeah. but they don't beat the Fantastic Four the second time. It's the Mad Thinker's props yes. that defeat Fantastic Four. Right. If I were a genius... If I were an evil genius yep. and that had happened, mm-hmm. the last thing I would do would then be to go out and introduce myself to the other heroes. Oh, yeah. And say, so, now you obey us because we mind-controlled your boss. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's... it. it... It, the logic just just goes right off the map. I just love the fact that because it is like unlike the the previous appearance of the Mad Thinker, this is a bad change in mo for him. It's completely screwed up, and I do love that afterwards he's like, "Oh, the only thing I couldn't have expected was that you were so inept you were going to drop that puppet and the beast was going to step on it." That's the only factor I didn't think of. I'm like, "Really? That's why you felt so confident, I guess, to actually walk out onto the battlefield with everybody." You know, it's really just like, man, that the the mad thinker is a little bit of a passive aggressive dick. <laughs> I do kind of love that about him. I yes. wish they kept that in him so every time the Mad Thinker did anything and it didn't right. go to plan, he'd always find someone to blame. He'd find like, someone else. Only, just like, mm. you know, the only thing I didn't think about was the fact that you might go out and order the wrong coffee, Susan. Right. <laughs> exactly. Thanks. Thanks for wrecking my evil plan. Yeah. I would be ruling the world right now if you just given me a waffle like I asked. Right, exactly. I have to say, this sounds a lot like the inside of my brain on most days. So yeah, I think I definitely, I'm down with it. I'm definitely down with that that characterization. The Jeff Thinker? Yeah, the Jeff Thinker, exactly. Yeah, totally. Jeff Thinker. Uh, but one of the things that this issue does have going for it mm-hmm. is it's got a much better awesome android scene than mm-hmm. the first time. Yeah. They actually managed to use the awesome android uh, in a way that previously they were like, turn him off, <laughs> hit the button under his shoulder. Yeah. Uh, this time he actually gets to fight and do things and seem like a threat. He actually gets to seem like a threat to the point where you kind of think like, maybe if the Mad Thinker's brilliant plan had involved dragging a half dozen extra superheroes out to this remote mesa, Oh, yeah. Like maybe he could have done it himself. Yeah, m- maybe if he left everybody else out of it, maybe the android could have just kicked everyone's ass, and that would have been the end of it. But instead, no. So, the Mad Thinker gets what he wants, which is a guest appearance by the X Men and the Fantastic Four talking at all times about how awesome the X Men are. It's so, so great, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty and, shameless. Oh, I, I do love it. He's like, they're a wonderful. Reed at the end is like, they're a wonderful group. Made you proud of the youngsters of today. Why, Reed? 
Why? They were so unquestioning of authority that they beat you up. Yeah, totally. Totally. Because someone told them I to. I think you were was wrong. Yeah. They said that. They, 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 they definitely they knew. They should they not. It. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. These guys did exactly what you hated last time. Kidnap Sue for no reason. And you're like, these guys are great. Also, <laughs> I love that uh, they... At this point, pretty much name Professor Xavier. They talk about Professor X. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mad Thinger talks about your professor, the whole thing. And then you will later on see Professor Xavier uh, meet the Fantastic Four. They're like, yeah, we, we don't know. We, we, he's so reclusive. We don't know what he's up to. It's so strange. If only we knew more about him. And you'd be like, well, let's see. You, professor X works at a school for gifted children. Right. You've just met lots of gifted children who talk about their superhero leader, Professor X, mm-hmm. and you're not putting this together. Hey, you see him in person, he's like, ah, uh, yeah, I mean, I just love the idea that the mad thinker is like, okay, so I've hypothesized that there is this leader guiding them, and my precise calculations are that he's fucking bald. So <laughs> this is what he looks like. I've never met him. He might not exist, but if may he may not, may have an eye, may not have like an eye, but Bald so as build, shit. Build a puppet like this and we'll see what happens. <laughs> By carefully studying the statistical analysis, there is no way that guy's got a follicle on top of his head. <laughs> Not a fucking chance in hell. Just... Also, here's my question about how the Puppet Master's powers work. Mm-hmm. What if, like, there's someone else who looks like his puppet? No! Totally! You know what I mean? Like, totally. what if... What, what if, if he looked like I, the Puppet Master? He's like controlling a bald guy who controls oh, metal people in a purple suit. It's like Inception. Like, what, if, what if Patrick Stewart exists in the Fantastic world at this point, right? Dude. And so the Puppet Master's like, okay, oh baby. And Patrick Stewart is in the middle of shooting like Star Trek The Next Generation Dude. and just stands up and is like, Jonathan Frakes, we've got to kidnap him. Exactly. <laughs> to me, my PAs. You know, it's like, I need you to go out and get you a cappuccino. Sue Storm of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> sure. Like... All right. Yeah. Okay. You know, like, it would be great. Spider to me. Exactly. It's like, there's Yul Brenner up in stage halfway through the King and I. Wait. <laughs> Ushers, I command you. Go to the Baxter building, but tell them. You have to tell them about this spaceship that landed that's very important that they go look at. Like, what? But here's the thing. They would do it. If there's anything we've learned in these 28 issues of Fantastic Four, ushers from a Broadway theater show up at the Baxter building. (laughs) The spaceship's just landed downtown. They'd go. Yeah. In fact, and what they would you would know they would be interrupting an experiment of Reed's. Yes. And Reed would be like, I can't leave this, it's so dangerous, but it is a spaceship, so I'll just leave it. Right, right, totally. But but except in this issue negative zone would open. Except in the in this issue, they actually show up and they say, like, we found spotted an alien ship. We thought you might join us in investigating it. And Reed says no. Like the ushers, yes, but the X-Men show up and do it. And he's like, nah, we're working on this this like nose cone thing. No. You know, and meanwhile, of course, Cyclops says Good, his answer is just what the thinker predicted. And you're like, well, uh, what? The thinker? You mean Professor X, right? Like, I mean, yeah, just really, the whole the, thing the think, is The just... thinker that you don't know about? Yes, sure. that thinker. Yeah. I, I mean, the thinker, my pet name for Professor X. 
Bald but guy. to be fair, he does think. He does. He does. He also controls people like puppets, like a master no, of puppets. No, the puppet master does. The thinker doesn't control. <laughs> You're getting confused. Let's let's move on to issue twenty nine. It started on Yancey Street, I think. Jeff, what is this issue called? Oh God, God help us all. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> The fabulous FF will never forget that day. It started on Yancey Street. Thank See, you very Graham, much. That can't be a title. It's it's full <laughs> sentence. It's two sentences. What? Uh, we'll never forget sentences. the day it started on Yancey Street. No, they will never forget that day. Oh, sorry. You're right. Sorry. It'll, we'll never forget that day. But then there's ellipses. That day it started on Yancey Street. It's uh... it's one sentence. Okay, then. But then that's the title. There you go. It's oh, one crap. sentence. That's the title. <laughs> okay. Somehow, I've, you've managed to make me defeat myself precisely the way that many of the supervillains the last few... I feel like the mad thinker now. I have to blame it on Edie. <laughs> Frankly, like... Edie, if you had dropped that Graham McMillan puppet and uh, let the postman step on it... Um, okay, so... It I was start- wondering why my bike was hurting. Yeah, that's right. I have to admit, Graham, it started on Yancey Street, which is a sequel to Fantastic Four number 12, and reintroduces, brings back the Watcher and the Red oh, Ghost yeah, and th- the Super 13, Ape. Yeah. What's that? 13. Oh, is it 13? Shit. Okay, thank you for correcting me. <laughs> I don't think that was worth getting that upset about. It's, it's, I'm trying... I'm, I already lost my, my attempt to argue you out of your crazy insistence on titles, Graham. It's just, it's You're just gonna me end up losing ground at every, at every point here, so... So the, so it's a sequel, and uh, with all almost all of the same ingredients, and for that reason... It's, it's, it is so much lesser. It is. It's it's a real diminishing returns kind of sequel, it's, isn't it? It's kind of hilarious that they're like, listen, that worked out. All of that worked out so well for us last time. Mm-hmm. So let let's do it again, and it it just it just doesn't work out as well. And there's some great stuff in this. Oh, there's a lot of great stuff in this that I liked a lot. You know, uh, including towards the end, uh, and we're skipping ahead, but the the final three panels of the Red Ghost. Uh, oh, are yes. another classic moment of Kirby Pop Art. Yeah, yeah like yeah. just just a beautiful, beautiful moment mm-hmm. as he's falling into like surreal spiral zone or something. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it's very much the effect that I think everyone traveled to in the microverse. You know, the the little shrinking thing that they did. Um, I think with Doctor Doom disappears, he disappears down a spiral, but because he sort of you know, his ass is to us when he tumbles in. It's not nearly as great as the Red yeah, because, Ghost here. Yeah, because the Red Ghost is reaching out to the reader. Yeah. Which is, is wonderful. It's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful three-panel sequence. Yeah. Um, and and I, I should also point out um, page 11, uh, panel 3, which is... A, Kirby Collage. Yeah, and maybe maybe his first and is brilliant, is really super awesome. Um, for people who who are love their pop culture references, it's definitely worth picking up not just this issue, but I think three issues later when a very excited George R. R. Martin writes into the Fantastic Four letters page and and rave literally raves about that page. 
was, I was kind of like, meh, George R. R. Martin. That guy's got some good taste. And in fact, that may be the letter where Stan Lee is like, okay, but one of these days you're going to have to tell us what the RR stands for, which I thought was um, it's great stuff. Anyway. He was, he was ahead of his time. Now everyone wants to know what the RR stands right, for. That's right. Exactly, man. Stan Lee. That guy. Roger Ramjet is what it really stands for. <laughs> I, I'm shocked that Stan Lee himself did not be like, wasn't like, it's Reed Richards. It's clearly Reed Richards, true believer. You didn't have to change your name. Oh my God! Wouldn't that be great if George R. R. Martin, like he made up the RR when he was a Fantastic Four fan, and he just decided to keep it around, and it actually does stand for Reed Richards? You know, I wouldn't necessarily rule it out, depending on how this stuff happens. Because I thought it was oh the, wasn't God. those the names that he took? He took the RR like there's confirmation names or something. I mean, he says what they stand for, but anyway. Graham McMillan. Sorry, I hope, hope no one was actually expecting us to keep going. Yes, uh, talk about Fantastic Four because now we've we've got <laughs> into the subject of George R. R. Martin's middle names, and that we might just spend the next couple of hours talking about that. Yes, especially when the alternative is talking about this issue. <laughs> yes, which again, so many interesting, fun little points, and yet just because it really is such it's a rehash. It's, yes, it's because it's all of the same ingredients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's what really makes it so dull for want of a better way of putting it yeah because you have the red ghost and the watcher mm-hmm. and the blue area of the moon mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You, it totally makes sense from a narrative point of view that you bring all of them back because the last time you saw the red ghost was that area mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. sure you touched them but there's something about just seeing that combination again mm-hmm. that that there really is a sense of oh we really have done this before well, and I do wonder because and you're because not adding anything to it as well, for that matter. It it sort of reminds me of the way that almost as if um, they were kind of like, oh, that issue. Like, like there were lots of a, a lot of people clamored for that issue to get reprinted or something, and they were kind of like, yeah, everyone real, you know, like I, everyone's heard a lot about that issue. You know, we should sort of retell it, but not. I don't know. It's really, it's very, um, it's a shame because I have to say this out of all the issues when I saw the cover and I remember reading it, I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be great. Yeah, because there's something about, well, if nothing else, it started on Yancey Street as a great title. Yes. And feels very, um, It's if there's such a thing as like future nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that Kirby and Lee get into a part later on in their Fantastic Four run where they can successfully do not exactly slice of life, mm-hmm. but very offbeat stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's something about the cover where it is the the FF members on Yancey Street with a ghost of the Watcher behind them. Yes. That there's sort of a suggestion of like, oh, this might be one of those great stories. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this might be one of those weird wacky stories offbeat. I, mm-hmm. You know, Focusing on the character of humanity, I'm totally into that. Right, and and for that matter, the opening kind of sells it on that because the opening is the Fantastic Four are for some reason wandering along Yancey Street. I wouldn't if I were them because <laughs> as as the the pages show, right. they just get like shat on, but mm-hmm. but they do they they get embarrassed, they get humiliated by the Yancey Street gang. Yeah, um, and so the first three pages. Are are very slice of lifey and are very 
this is what they do when they're not saving the world. Well, and and lull you into that sort of false insecurity where you're like, oh, this will be great. And mm-hmm. then it's as if they're like, actually, no. Right. Well, th- I, I think there's a couple of th- – I think that's a good point. I think that it's kind of this weird inversion of the – you know, the the FF meet their adoring public is was an earlier trope, you know, not too many issues ago where it's really common to have the FF – you know, landing and here's the wrestlers trying to, you know, proposition Ben into, you know, like going off and wrestling with them or whatever. Here here they are being thronged by their adoring fans um, in a way that they have to escape from the crowd. And it's, it's a very common thing. Like the FF are going to show their powers by, um, you know, interacting with the public. You know, it's very much a, it's the FF and being in public go all the way back to FF number one. So here you've got a scene, it's super relatively short, where basically they are being shit on by the Yancey Street gang. Um, it's sort of comical shenanigans, and they hop off, and there, there's maybe a little bit of an idea of, like you said, it's going to be an offbeat issue, but then you've got this ending, this opening, that is a little bit of an inversion of what used to be an old dynamic. Um mm. And you just don't, it just, there's things that never quite click. There's very much the the idea that's supposed to sell the first page of the story, the first third of the story, is the idea of like, what if there's a supervillain controlling the Yancey Street Gang? What if the Yancey Street Gang are evil? And yet, that so clearly is something that's off the table before the story ever opens. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. just... There's no way from the other ways that they've handled it such that, again, it feels like maybe there was Lee was trying to communicate something that Kirby, you know, to Kirby and Kirby just wasn't paying attention or something. But it it's a shame to me because the third Fantastic Four 13 is such a quantum leap ahead. And this is this is an issue that kind of suggests that there is that. There's a little bit of a rut that 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 either Lee or Kirby or both feel a little stuck in, and and it really is like it just feels like a genuine rut. It's like we're not trying to escape well, it in any meaningful way. I don't think. I I, I totally get what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I also think that the the bursts forward in Fantastic Four, especially at this stage, are bursts. Yes. You you jump ahead and then there's a lull. You jump ahead and there's a lull. I don't think you can really call it a lull because it, a rut because I think that it's too short a time to call it a rut. I feel like you're, like realistically we're talking like six months before there's there's another ping. Well, uh, another what do you mean by a ping? Like uh, by by jump for, like I I would say as weird as the next issue is. Mm-hmm. It is already a step ahead. I see what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I think part of me is like, I'm not sure six months really counts as a rut because all of these stories are entertaining enough. Oh, they're they're absolutely very entertaining. I I think, I, um, like you said, they're all enjoyable. My thing, and and this could end up being proven wrong when we get to Baxter Building number four, is I am firmly convinced that we have stopped right before the biggest rut yet. And I, I don't think that it, to me, it's not a surprise that you have the red ghost and the super apes who kind of seem like the anti-fantastic four. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then after this issue, just more or less rehashes all the same ground. They disappear again. And then by issue 36, you have the Frightful Four, which more or less go on to dominate and almost swamp the book until Joe Sinnott arrives and the and the book finally hits its groove. You know See, I mean? that's interesting because I feel that uh, I well, first of all, I think that you're you're almost saying that the the frightful four. I think they take the the role. They fulfill the same role as the Red Ghost and Super Apes, right? Uh, I, which I think is what you're suggesting, and I agree with you. Yeah. But I really like them as an alternative, and uh, I really like. Yes. I'm sorry, Jeff. No, 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 no. It's totally fine. Have you have you read all their stuff through yeah. the issue? Yeah. Okay, then I might be wrong, but I find they. I think it's really strange that the Frightful Four appear in issue 36 and basically go on to kind of not leave the book until issue 42, which is yeah. Synod appears, the Inhuman appears. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they show up for a while and they basically, like, this is what the book is about. Yes, like in a yeah. huge way. Like, they just won't go away again and again and again. And I don't know if it's like... That and that to me is this weird sort of they're they're stuck in a rut. There's kind of this thing of like, here's your supervillain team, here's your anti Fantastic Four. All they care about is crushing the Fantastic Four the way that everyone up to this point has cared about crushing the Fantastic Four. And the FF are really close to breaking through to that next level of amazing characters that have that really have all sorts of different agendas other than the Fantastic Four, you know? And I really feel that it's kind of 36 up through 42. And admittedly, I haven't read them all at a go. It's just very much from my memory of reading them in Marvel Tales reprints and stuff like that. It, it feels, it feels like a rut. It feels like Lee and Kirby trying to do the same thing over and over and over again hoping to get different results or trying to make it work or trying to make it interesting, especially for Kirby, I think. And then it just gets rejected. So I, honestly, I really do think that it started on Yancey street, even as, uh, as a stinker goes, it's not really the level of stinker that we've dealt with in the first. <laughs> well, no, I agree. Two, and I think, two all, episodes. I think all of the duds that we've dealt with, because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I would definitely put issue 26 in the dud category. I'd mm -hmm. pretty much put issue 27 in there mm -hmm. and issue 28 as well. Yeah. Um, and I think all of them are still better than the, the worst of what we've dealt with in the previous Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think 29 is a letdown, but I'm not even sure I put it in the dud category because like I said, when I was reading all of these, I was very much in the zone. I was very much enjoying all of these. Me too. Uh, Me too. And and how do I put it? I feel like Kirby is at some level of craft here that just grows, that there's some storytelling stuff in these next couple of issues that just knock my socks off. And, and frankly, his fight scenes throughout all of this, the fight scenes with the super apes are great and dynamic and interesting. And I love, I really like the characters i honestly i'm like if you have to read a book where the enemies are super powered apes this is it you know this is <laughs> it's not going to get any better than this really um and true believer true believer excelsior well, I, I also uh listeners who remember the last episode about my uh sheer dislike of george bell 
Mm-hmm. Um, Chick Stone takes over as Inker uh, with 28, I think, yes. with the, the X-Men issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the art immediately looks better. Yeah, I think, I think the art... Immediately looks better. Not only does it look better, but I think I, I think Kirby has a lot more confidence in the work. Well, There's just some yes, really I think strong... I think Kirby's improving mm-hmm. all along the way because mm-hmm. there's some great stuff even with George Bellinking in the earlier issues. That's right. But I think when Chickstone arrives, it just it seems softer in a way that I think really helps the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't seem so harsh and so violent, from, which may be a weird thing to say about art, but there's there it there there's a scratchiness uh, and a, a sketchiness that feels especially aggressive to me as a mm-hmm. reader mm-hmm. with George Bell's inking right. and Chickstone is super in the opposite direction. Right. You know everything is very smooth lines, curved lines, and and that really helps for me mm-hmm. as a reader. I I think the Kirby stuff looks a lot better, and I think that it helps with the atmosphere of the book. Because the book, the book, uh, in many ways, should feel cozy to me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it should feel inviting. It should feel uh, friendly. Yes. Uh, And I think that Chickstone brings that out of Kirby's work in a way that Bell didn't. And Mm -hmm. and when Sinnott arrives, he definitely does. Oh yeah, Uh, Sinnott. It just it it hits a whole nother level. But yeah, I mean, apart from I'm never crazy about how Chick. Chick Stone lightens up the thing too much for me. That's it's always yeah, no, a little I can, problematic. I can totally see that, and he also does some very strange stuff with Sue Storm. Yeah, exactly. There, there uh, are parts in, in where... particular with mm-hmm. Sue Storm's hair. Yes. Oh my he, god. He has a he. I don't think Chick Stone necessarily understands how hair works mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he seems to think for a lot of it that uh, Sue Storm is wearing a sort of circular helmet. <laughs> Well, or even sometimes I feel like he doesn't have a really good, um, well, it, it varies. It definitely varies. But there are times where it just feels like Sue Storm is wearing a different wig in every panel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't, he, there are some artists who very clearly enjoy drawing hair and thinking about how it moves. And I feel like Chick Stone is not that kind of inker. That is not really how things work out with him. And maybe maybe not with Kirby either, although... Well, know. that's just that I'm not entirely sure that it's it, you can blame all of that in stone. I think yes. Kirby's uh, famous lack of attention to detail right. is coming into play here as well. I yeah, think yeah, what's yeah, happening yeah. is that Stone isn't, doesn't, either isn't getting paid enough mm-hmm. or does not care enough to make him consistent himself. And I think that Sinnott does. I think yes. one of the things that Sinnott really brings to it is Sinnott is... Uh, committed to continuity in a way that Kirby right. isn't. Yeah, yeah. And sort so of the on-model drawing. Says, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, let's get ahead to issue 30 because we are 1 hour 20 into this, Jeff. Yes. And <laughs> we still have your hard stops. Yes, and we so, started late thanks to the problem. So, yeah. Uh, so, let's go. Right. Well, uh, both you and the fabulous Fantastic Four will soon meet the dreaded Diablo. Yes. Um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, this feels like a very, very Kirby issue to me. It feels like Kirby is a, you know, the idea of visiting, you know, a castle out in the middle of nowhere and the... the... In Transylvania. Yes, in, well. in Transylvania, exactly. Very specifically called out. 
uh, and this the mayor who they spell it with an E, which God yeah, which you I stand. Love, um, love that Baron Hugo, the mayor, John yeah. Mayor, perhaps of this territory. <laughs> Look at I love though I like on page three panel three yes portrait of the mayor looks fabulous though I don't yes. know if it's just Kirby his, did it all or or with just... his amazing mustache and yes then, yeah and what's also great is the thing behind him mirrors mm. him yes yeah 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 that's actually a great which, point which mm-hmm. is super super great as well mm-hmm. um yeah you're right it's a very Kirby issue there are in terms of like the entire plot dynamic, I mm-hmm. could totally see this being like a demon issue from Kirby. Exactly, exactly. You fully expect Etrigan the demon to sort of pop up around the corner. It it has that vibe to it. Um, and and, Lee... and also that lack of logic because yes. that the thing that really struck out for me with this issue is this issue makes no sense. Yeah. For this issue to make sense, you have to buy into the fact that Diablo can do everything that he says he can do. Mm-hmm. And then he just decides to fuck people around for fun. Yeah. Because the entire gimmick lasts around the fact that Reed doesn't believe that his potions can do what they do. And his potions suddenly stop working. So mm-hmm. everyone calls him a fraud. Mm-hmm. But that ignores the fact that his potions are working before then. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I think I think there is... there's. There's stuff that's going on in this story that really is that I that I think assuming that it is a Kirby story, it's very much Kirby telling again a, a little closer to something like the Puppet Master story. It's a little bit of a fairy tale, you know? And Well yeah, yeah. Because Diablo is Diablo is an entirely magical character. He is. And in fact, he is Arguably, I think they, it sort of suffers, frankly, that they don't do this. But it there's a very good case to be made that Diablo is the devil, you know, that he is this figure. that, And so the idea, you know, it seems to me very much a very Kirby and sort of a Daniel and the devil and Daniel Webster kind of idea is is that the devil is always going to cheat people on their deals. It's not that he can't give you what he wants it's that he has to screw you like everyone has to be screwed um i don't really know i'd be very curious to know if it was very much if it really was kirby kirby specified transylvania and lee ran with that or if it's just lee riffing off this sort of classic um old world uh ambience that kirby digs um, in fact, what's interesting to me is how much of the stuff that pops up here in issue 30 gets transmuted, transmorgified, and lifted wholesale into Fantastic Four Annual Number 2 Yes, with yes. Dr. Doom Which and works is much pretty better. Much coming out, it's pretty much coming out the next issue. Oh, okay. But yeah. it, like they're, they're almost contemporaneous if you're looking at the bullpen bullpens. Mm, okay. I, I um, wasn't sure. But yeah, it's it's. I think it probably is Kirby, mm-hmm. uh, if only because you then, when he does go to DC later on, you have oh right Transylvania, Transylvania stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it's. I really, really like this issue. There's a lot that's just downright wacky about it. As we were saying before, it kind of only works if you are perfectly okay with ignoring all of the character work that's been done prior to this. That's right. Because Ben has to turn on the Fantastic Four. 
for no immediately apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Pretty, uh, pretty aggressively turn on him as well. Yes. Yeah. No, there's very much an element of the thing has been, and again, this is part of why I was curious about the Transylvania concept because, like Dracula, um, Diablo, there's the there's the undercurrent that Diablo has seduced and corrupted Ben. He's made him into his worst self, which is why he sort of exists as this figure that's not Ben Grimm and not the thing, but this kind of grotesquerie in between where he's like, but I'm great. I, I look fantastic. And he really does look, I mean, just awful and creepy. You know? Yeah, it's it's super weird, isn't it? That he's mm-hmm. like, look at me, I look great. And he looks like a bald guy Yeah, with the pattern but not the rocks mm-hmm. of the thing mm-hmm. uh, but you know honestly again there's a lot of great bits the storytelling in this is all nice and i love the that ben's essentially his um you know breaking free of the unbreakable glass and rampaging through the castle after diablo and kind of getting a moment that is just entirely his altogether is pretty great you know it's just and it's also it's the first time that he actually gets that since the losing to the hulk mm-hmm. yeah and and you can and i think we've talked about this before you can almost read this as payoff for those issues mm. but then you would have to think that lee right. and kirby were engaging in long-term character arcs which they're clearly not they're they're certainly not in this issue this issue really is such a like you half expect to be a oh we woke up and it was all a dream kind of thing you know because yeah. there's just that much leap in logic but this again i feel like the storytelling from kirby is super super compelling um, as a standalone, it's great. It is. It absolutely is. As a standalone, is. it's so, so great. Mm-hmm. And and if you can make the leap of everyone's kind of acting a bit weird, yeah, then it's it's a really, really, really great issue. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really like And there's some... There, it is a Kirby showcase. Yeah. That, that last page um, features two just wonderful panels. The second panel with the Fantastic Four leaping away from the explosion mm-hmm. is just so great. Mm-hmm. And then I really love the last panel of the Fantastic Four laughing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, just such a wonderful, wonderful panel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, it's good because it ends with such like a terrible corny joke. Mm-hmm. That it's kind of great that it's got the art to redeem. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake, that's me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I really really like this issue, and and we have it. Uh, I I hesitate to call them duds, but you know, in the same ways that the earlier issues in this this episode have underwhelmed, mm-hmm. this does not. This is mm-hmm. just a great issue. It is, which is amazing because really, it is. It's 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 kind of hard not to admit that it is a stinker in some regards, but it is it is a great issue. It is a great issue. Uh, what do you think of FF31, The Mad Menace of the Macabre Mole Man? Oh, God, please tell me that that's the actual title, right? It's not anything worse. It is, isn't it? Jesus. Jeff, it's what, probably... is what is the same page, Jeff? I, I, don't have the, I don't have the issue open, Graham. That's why the I... The fabulous I, I FF fights to the death against the Mad Menace of the Macabre Mole Man. Wait, I'm in the wrong issue. 
I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm like, no, Graham. It's see the fabulous the Fantastic Four. The, defy the Mighty Avengers. See the incredible spectacle of the Vanished City Streets. See the mysterious stranger in the life of Sue Storm. <laughs> see. Um, well, uh, what did I think about it? I think that uh, I it's the best Bond Man story yet. I'll, mm. I'll give it mm-hmm. that first of all. Right. Um, I am sick by this point of Sue Storm being the hostage. Yes. Because this is what the third issue in the last six where that is that is what happens. Right. Um, but at the same time, I love the the melodrama of there's this mysterious figure that makes Sue so upset that she storms out of the building and that's how she ends up with the hostages. That yeah. she is almost an accidental hostage. I really like that. I like the mole man's uh, I'm going to steal cities and hold them to hostage Yes. Uh, plan in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 overall, I actually kind of like it. I, yeah. I like the, the uh, confrontation with the Avengers mm-hmm. in a way that I did not like the confrontation with the Avengers in the earlier issue. Because it pretty much consists of the FF being like, okay, listen, we'll take care of this. Give us a day. Right. Right. You know, and being almost level headed about it. Sure, you got a page of them being like, I don't know, big guy. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's really good for a mole man issue, which means it's an okay issue. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, again, to me, there's a lot going on. Like, even though there's some, like, really kind of embarrassing uh, storytelling goofs here, like, I love the fact that, you know, basically the Mole Man evacuates the entire block. And I love that image, by the way, of everybody marching down off of this, you know, enormous bedrock New York mm-hmm. block and being rounded up. And, of course, Sue didn't think to turn invisible before like she's just marching with everyone else kind of like hmm oh wait you know but but apart from that i love the i love the scale of it i love and i love the storytelling on it too there's things where um the stuff with the with the human torch there's some great panels of him in here that are just just visually lovely like his whole um like those giant steel tentacles that he's flying in between. Um, mm-hmm. And then when the I, missiles I, I hit love... him with those spores or whatever. Yeah. I also love on page, uh, I think it's page 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Page 14, the panel of him and the uh, Iron Man. Oh, I think yeah. visually, actually, mm-hmm. the confrontation between the Fantastic Four and the Avengers this time is really good. Yes. I think on page 13, the, the, the uh, sixth of a page panel. Mm-hmm. That's got Thor and Iron Man jumping into the abyss. Mm-hmm. I, I think the art there is is great. Yeah, and I think you're getting. I think at this point you're also getting Kirby as we know him now. Yes, you're getting a level of abstract to the form mm-hmm. where he is completely comfortable stepping outside of naturalism mm-hmm. for the purpose of dynamism. Yes, and and Chickstone is not an inker that's very uh, helpful in that respect, mm-hmm. but you know. There are panels here where it's just like, oh yeah, that's that's Kirby. Yes, like exactly. I, I, I'm totally recognizing the Kirbyness of the figures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, page seventeen, panel six, where where the Human Torch is like zipping through these Zeta yes. particles. You know, yes. is it's just such a great panel. So good. I mean, it's just it 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 
it works at a level of almost pure abstraction as they keep popping up. But then there's so many, the, the things blowing up, which only seems to happen in a mole man story is just, it's all really well handled. Yeah. Kirby is getting closer, much closer to Kirby as we understand him. And of course, in, in my yours, in my case, like adore him, but um, yes, you know, there, there, yeah, he, he's, he, this is, uh, transitional Kirby but so close to Kirby as as, yeah. as we know him mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point and and so you know there's a lot that I really like about this and the art is one of them is one of those things well and it does make me think I mean I'm not a fan of the mole man but there's definitely the idea of the scale and the abstraction again I will I will go on to insist and in, in the issues in the next our next episode of the Baxter building may well prove me wrong. This sort of stuff is closer to Kirby's heart to what he wants to draw than, you know, the and FF fight, the anti FF. Yeah. He's yes. not really, the supervillains are not here. The mole man has enough big ideas or big images for Kirby to draw that he's excited by it. Yeah. Because it's not really uh, an FF versus the mole man story. Mm-hmm. It's an FF versus an event, and the mole man is behind the event. Exactly. But there's enough physical, visual spectacle that I think he he completely tunes in. And with the um, the escaped prisoner who turns out to be Sue Storm's, Sue yes. and Johnny's father, mm-hmm. who also, it, as a crazy coincidence, turns out to be an amazingly gifted surgeon. <laughs> Yes. Who can heal Sue? Like that level of melodrama mm-hmm. uh, is also prime Stan Lee. Yes, exactly. Do you know and what I mean? It, like, there's enough of both of them in this issue that I think it's it's it shouldn't be this good, but it is. It is. It absolutely is. They're not stepping on each other's toes, and they're each kind of getting what they want without it overlapping, and it really does just work out. So that leads us into issue thirty-two, uh, the invincible the. <coughs> Sorry, the fabulous Fantastic Four experience a great tragedy in the open quote death of a hero exclamation quote point close quote. Thanks, Jeff. Sure, Graham. I had to do that for you because that's what uh, we have to it's do introducing here. the surprise villain of the season exclamation points deadly comma mysterious ellipses the invincible man exclamation points open brackets can you guess who he is question mark question mark close question <laughs> brackets oh this is much better um and again <laughs> some some just some it's it's an issue that i feel really has some just dynamic kirby storytelling so i ended up yes. loving it you know yeah it's I, again this is kirby being very kirby so yeah. you open up with the contraption to turn uh, thing back into Ben Grimm, but it's such a Kirby splash page because yes. you have the amazingly over the top machinery, yeah. uh, and you have Reed's arm arcing towards the reader. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's a dynamism even in this static image. There's dynamism even when the characters are literally standing around, with the exception of Ben who's sitting. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the pages. It's it really is. It's like a bam right. opening. I, I I love it. And very quickly, you then go on to. You have the uh, on page three. You have the photo thing. Oh my god, which is so great. Also, let's not forget on two panels. There's it's it's two panels. It's a ray shot through space. It's you know Kirby a Kirby photo collage. It looks phenomenal. And what I love is is that um, he has the transition of basically 
the human torch getting fed up and frustrated um, and basically kicking an enormous fireball off of his flaming foot. And you transition from the flaming fireball flying off the human torch's foot to this immense amazo ray flying from another planet to earth and yeah. and you don't have stanley like over explain it like it, it it's kind of it's 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 all good it's yeah so <laughs> and then also you go from that page mm-hmm. to the uh the beam striking the volcano yes do you know what i mean like there you mm-hmm. can there's all there's a visual through line even as these jumping scenes which mm-hmm. is really good that's a good point yeah Exactly. So, yeah, and just wonderful storytelling. And then, of course, it actually does have the character um, turn into flame and fly off. So, yeah, there is, there's, there's very much that strange through line. What is really funny is as soon as that happened, yes, I was like, oh, I know who it is. Well, of course. Of course. I mean, it's, it's one of those it's things. So funny it's like, because the entire issue is based around, who can it be? Mm-hmm. And, like, on his first page, before he's even, like, done anything, yeah. you're like, oh, it's him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just by this angle. And it was kind of like, eh, it's kind of a shame that they played up the mystery. Do you think, by the way, as as much as I feel that, you know, Kirby and Lee are more in sync, uh, generally, like last issue, the whole thing with Ben Grimm having amnesia and being needing to be sedated and changed back into the thing and then being told it didn't work, it feels a little off doesn't it like it feels very strange I... um and i'm not quite sure but i don't know if it feels strange just because like it's a weird idea mm. uh, but it feels like it's set up for something that never happens yeah i kind of feel i sort of assumed that and i could be wrong that 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 again it's lee and kirby go in different directions with it that that what kirby is doing is like Oh, hey, Ben Grimm, it, like, the thing is now Ben Grimm again, but he's basically savage and animalistic. It's not amnesia. It's like he's like caveman Ben, you know? And so yeah. he has no mind, but he's got his body back. And they're like, well, that's not going to do. So they change him back and be like, oh, you know, because oh, I, yeah. because I, I, I see what you're saying. But if you look at the page with Ben being mm-hmm. human mm-hmm. He, he's not coming across the savage he sure he attacks reed in the second panel but mm-hmm. that's it mm-hmm. otherwise he's super uh uncertain and super confused yes yeah yeah and it could it he's could off go other way yeah 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 uh, it's so true I'm not, I'm not sure if it is a like savage ben or or what but it, it, there definitely feels like something is off i don't yeah. but i don't know what that something is well at the very least it could be once again, stands like, oh, Reed's so awesome. He's going to like lie to his friend because it's so much better. And you even get Johnny saying, you know, boy, I wonder if he knows what a great pal you really are, Reed. Despite the fact that, you know, basically this entire lie is going to last all of about 11 seconds because Ben walks out to see Alicia and she's like, oh, Ben, it's you. You're yourself again. I'm so happy, which to me, you would think that Ben exactly. would be like, "What do you mean? Yeah, what are you exactly. talking about? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm huh? Was myself? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's so, true. yeah. Loop, loop Alicia in on the line as Sam Reed. It's a good plan. Otherwise, good otherwise plan. it goes weird. Yeah. 
Um, That's all we're saying. Yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of really really weird stuff going on in in this this issue. I love, however, the Super Skrull replaces Sue's dad. Yes, uh, and is and he's just like a dick. Yes. To, to, to Johnny and Sue, I love that. I love that yeah. he's just like, oh, oh no, you you mean nothing to me. I, I I'm not interested. Screw right. you guys. Yeah, I find that incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. I, I and I couldn't tell you why, but I really do. No, it's it is it's kind of it is kind of, well because in theory you would think for his plan to work, it would sort of behoove him to be nice to Johnny and Sue and therefore that they wouldn't actually... That, that they wouldn't ex- suspect anything. Yeah, exactly. But the fact that he's just flat out like, no, get away from me, you little turds. Um, again, so it's great. It's so great. Also, why did he... Why is the Super Scroll disguise himself as their father? Well, that never made sense to me. Because the idea is, is that it's the one character that the Fantastic Four can't bring themselves to fully fight with all of their energy, you know, that they're always pulling their punches. The scrolls the one, have figured this know, out. Alicia, Alicia wouldn't fit that bill at all. Well, true. There is, there is, there is, no, I, who knows? I'm sure Ben would be like, no, but you know, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that all the rest of them would just take just her like, down. Cut her down. Can't wait. Oh, uh, I knew she was a scroll, haha. But I do think that this actually one of the things that I like about this that you don't see the scrolls do, or at least I don't, that makes a certain amount of sense to me is why not have the scrolls essentially be sort of saboteurs, you know, in that sense of like poses people who are loved ones, and then you know this is a little bit of what Bendis sort of promise that he would do in Secret Invasion, and I don't know, I, I got too goddamn bored. Maybe he actually did it. But, you know, that sense of you think that this person is a loved one, and then they essentially just turn bad on you, and it turns out yeah. that they're, you know, they're scrolls. But it, it's weird. I wasn't even paying attention. Like, I think later on they go on to establish that Super Scroll can't have like he's he's got the FF's powers, but he loses his shape changing powers, right? I thought that was no, the I, deal. I, I, but... Maybe, yeah. It, it's 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 a plan that means nothing to me. Uh, it doesn't make sense. And Reed's thing at the end when they return, yeah. uh, Doctor Storm, <laughs> uh, is sort of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> like Reed is crossing over into. I can see the future, Bill, with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, listeners, if you don't know the story, uh, Storm is kidnapped by the Skrulls to be replaced by the Super Skrull. And when he is returned, everyone runs towards him, apart from Reed, who's like, stay back, we must be sure. And it turns out that he's entirely right, because the, the Skrulls strapped a bomb mm-hmm. to Dr. Storm, who yeah. then blows up. Yeah. Yeah, which which again is that except, thing? Except he doesn't. It's a bomb that is apparently strong enough to kill everyone. Right. It blows up, but he's still alive afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a weird bomb. It leaves a hole in the ground. Yeah. It it is. It's a well known. It is the it it kill it is it has tremendous damage against inorganic material. And organic material can only live long enough to give a big speech. And then it's fatal. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, sh- we should say because uh, Dogstrom does just does then die 
after giving a farewell speech to his children. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which again is that classic that that to me is like a Stan, you know, a Stanley trope. I definitely feel like the parent who dies well, it's I mean it comes up in the Fantastic Four again too. I'm sorry. It's not just a parent who dies. There is the 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 loved one who sacrifices themselves but manages to give an inspirational speech at the end. Yes. Absolving the, absolving the person of guilt unless they are uh, Uncle Ben. Right. In which case giving the other person guilt enough yes. to mm-hmm. uh, fuel a superheroic career. Right. Well, or alternately, the the figure who everyone thought was a cad who finally is able to secretly redeem himself, uh, which which happens, you know, so this one kind of really does like Lee sort of like looks at this and and branches it out to become Captain Stacy later. But we also end up getting like this man, this monster, you know, mm-hmm. and other brave sacrifices in like Thor comics and stuff like that, that I think the thing that strikes me is what a stone cold Dick Reed Richards is in this episode. I said, not for the first time. Yeah. But this one in particular, because Stanley is Mr. Like Reed has to know everything. And so therefore like, you know, when he's like, stop, stay back, we must be sure. And he's like, just as I feared the skulls made a living booby trap for him it's of him it's like then maybe you should have cut a better deal you asshole you know what i mean like it really was the <laughs> it's true maybe she got a deal that says don't send him back with a bomb on him yeah, right you know if you do we'll blankety blank but instead it's like eh. the there is one thing to not having foreseen that it's another mm-hmm. if you have foreseen it and not done anything about it not done anything about it yeah then you're sort of inching towards the realm of like hmm reed richards creepy sociopath you know it's like again not for the first time yeah exactly exactly jeff yes we have literally 11 minutes and we have four issues (laughs) okay uh yes so we're gonna do super quick right are you ready first of all we're not gonna do the annual because i really do want to spend time in the annual but we're going to do the four issues okay issue 33 is the fabulous fantastic four find themselves fighting side by side with submariner Mm-hmm. It opens. The best thing about this issue for me is the opening, which goes scene FF headquarters time now action about to begin. So let's go, and <laughs> everything after that is a come down. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's one of those deals where I, I, I love watching Kirby draw barbarian stuff, like watching him draw armor, watching him draw weapons, that sort of stuff. Sort sort of the same thing that I said in the FF Annual One. I I like looking at it, but honestly, I just can't give two shits about Atlantis. Uh, Look, Atuma has always been the world's most dull villain. That's the know? problem. I mean, mm-hmm. it, they are Lee and Kirby are definitely at this point very firmly engaged in. We are going to stick the FF. Uh, we're going to stick Namor rather with Atlantis. He's mm-hmm. going to stick. So. The annual ends with, he's been abandoned by his people, and then his experience, only joking, they came back. They've yeah. abandoned him again. They've come back. And in this, he's pretty firmly like, okay, I'm back with Atlantis now. Yeah, right. Exactly. But the why and the where and the how of it, it's like... Well, he just returns. 
Like, yeah, you no, see right. turning. And right. says, I should never leave you again, my subjects, for this is where the Submariner belongs. And, you know, that's hell of a trustworthy. Thanks for that. You've been dumped by your girlfriend who was never your girlfriend, and you right. come crawling back to Atlantis. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, yeah. It's... Great, great mm. king. You're the greatest <laughs> monarch. Um, yes. But, again, you're right. It's a very dull story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a story that, that does not do anything for anyone. Um, but Kirby draws the shit out of it. He really does. He really does. And to me, that's precisely why it works. Otherwise, it is, you know, under other auspices, it really would have been, like, my least favorite issue. But as it is, it's fine. What shocked me, to keep us moving, is issue 34, A House Divided, or Have the Fabulous FF Finally Met Their First Defeat, question mark, question mark, a House Divided, exclamation point. Well, no, but here you're right. A House Divided is clearly the title, because Have the Fabulous Fantastic Four finally met their final defeat is a sentence in and of itself. <laughs> Fault the rules, Jeff. Graham, why must I hate you so much? I don't understand. <laughs> so the thing is, is that this is, this is a, an issue where it, it's for a pinko like me, uh, the idea that it's the FF versus unbridled capitalism uh kind of fills my heart with glee it's very much to me sort of it's it's kirby and lee working in perfect near perfect tandem i think because kirby loves having the guy behind the guy you know he's always Mm -hmm. a big fan of you you see his crime bosses and his mob bosses you know, are usually guys with like cigarettes in their mouth or cigarette holders or here's a, a cigar. Um, and he gets the first half of having Mr. Gideon be just a pure shithead in that way that Kirby gangster shitheads are. But then yes. you get the swerve, which is Stanley, the sort of melodrama that Stanley pretty much lives for. And... And honestly, I feel both of them pretty much commit to it, you know? Yeah, I I love this issue. I, I And <laughs> it's, for me, again, another of the Fantastic Four works very well when they do fairy tales. Because yeah. this is a fairy tale issue. That's right. It is about a father who is too wrapped up in his own uh, business. And that's, I don't mean that in the corporate sense, but just in the, like in his own stuff. Yes. Um, that he not only does not realize the love of it, his love for his son and how much his son loves him, but actively rejects it until mm-hmm. that is in danger and then he has to come to a redemption. I love, love this story. I think it's it's done really, really well. And I, I it's probably my favorite of all these issues with the exception of the annual, which we're not getting to. So it's my favorite of this this episode. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's great and I think... It also features a... the Beetlewig joke. Yes, which is and, wonderful. And the shout-out for the Beetlebrick joke at the end, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Ben wonders what the bald villain would look like in a Beetlewig. Yeah, yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah, no, it, it, it is, it's, it's surprisingly strong all the way through. Yeah. yeah. That, it's, it, it's, but it is very much a fairy tale for me, again. Yeah. And it yeah. and, uh, works very well. Talking of fairy tales, issue 35. Mm-hmm. Um, the fabulous Fantastic Four run into Calamity on the campus. Uh, features the return of Diablo. And... In the fabulous Fantastic Four tradition, a villain who is spectacular on his first appearance is a bit of a letdown on his second. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Which is interesting because, fortunately, um, you know, they then go on to introduce 
a another creature for the first time, I actually was surprised how much uh, Dragon Man worked for me in this issue. I This is one of those issues that I read like a bajillion years ago when I was a kid. Never really did much for me, honestly. Oh, I, but... I, yeah, I remember. I didn't. I don't remember reading this issue, but I remember other Dragon Man stories, and he never made sense to me. And in this issue, he's great in large part because Kirby's art. Yes. Holy crap! Kirby yeah. sells the shit out of Dragon Man. Yeah, he really does. The art, the 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 expressiveness, the very he's very much an animal in his face. He and he. He, even though he keeps the same expression in a lot of cases, he acts, you know what I mean? It's just, it's a great little, um, it's a great little performance by it. And I actually, I do love that sequence where the dragon man like grabs Sue Storm's hair, you know, on, on page 15, like panel five, it's pretty great. And, and that, and that's practically, Sue looks great in there. She's almost as hot as Skullery made Sue, I have to say, so... Can we also point out that when Dragon Man uh, grabs Sue here, he reveals his power to make uh, superheroines hair grow really, really quickly? It looks great that way, doesn't it? Again, it's that weird, like mm -hmm. very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, but it's it's such a good issue. It's you know thirty four and thirty five, and it's a shame that we're speeding through them. Mm -hmm. But they are both really surprisingly strong issues, and they shouldn't be in the same way that the Mole Man issue shouldn't work, but does. Mm-hmm. Um, thirty four and thirty five really, really do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, it 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 is kind of wonderful to see them, um, to to just where the level of craft is just so strong, and and that Lee and Kirby aren't even they're not fighting one another. You know, they seem in sync, and the the ending which ends with like Reed breaking out the proposal for Sue is kind of it it feels pretty perfect in a way. You know, it all comes together. Oh, it, yeah, because again, you've got sort of a fairy tale story because you have the monster mm-hmm. that is tamed by beauty yes. in Sue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, there, there's very much a thread of magical thinking that's running through these issues. Yeah, and yeah. and so the that it ends with Reed's, uh, you know, finally going. Oh, maybe I can just tell her I love her, and, and that's going to be okay. And it is right. Seems right. very fitting. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of you know. It, in a way, it is kind of. A, it is definitely a shame that we've got to dash through these because I feel like 34 and 35 also work, like you said, as as fairy tales, but also fairy tales that reflect on Reed. In fact, if I, you know, as people know, the Fantastic Four was the Great American Novel website is a, is a pretty awesome little. Uh, website and I really like to sit down and dig through it to see if he has theories about how much it's interesting that you know you have some stories that recently dealt with you know the idea of the bad father and then you get a good father in eventually in the Gideon story and then in Calamity on the campus you get Reed Richards kind of having to revisit the college where he was a big man in order to be able to move forward and also dealing with kind of a mirror image of himself in Diablo to an extent. But you also get talking about the bad father and the good father, both the Gideon story and the, the previous issue with uh, Dr. Storm mm-hmm. are the bad father becoming the good father. That's right. Yeah. Both of them are point. stories of redemption. 
That's right. Yeah. Uh, and so you then go from that mm-hmm. to Reed. And I don't think uh, I don't think Kirby or Lee saw Reed as needing redemption. Yes. But he does get redeemed, mm-hmm. or at least manage to move past his issues. Right. Yes. Exactly. Uh, in exactly. The, these stories, which I think is is particularly interesting. Yeah. It, it it's very easy to construct a narrative in which Reed Richards is a guy who and who is emotionally aloof and not maybe is kind of an alpha male dickhead who grew up maybe under a really terrible father. And the idea that that what you end up seeing are these redemption arcs that allow him to get in touch with the possibility of his belief of himself as a good person. Like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't really think that that's there, but what I enjoy is there's a level of um, weird thematic consistency running in the background that probably is just kind of, again, Lee and Kirby trying to work out whatever they're working out or dashing through stuff such that some of these things are not really very conscious at all, but, you know, but have these weird patterns that just seem to sort of repeat, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you get Lee, you get Reed basically throwing off the shadow of, you know, stepping outside of the shadow of the, the bad father that we don't see. Um, and in time to basically in issue 36, see the creation of shadow figures of he and the rest of the Fantastic Four in the Frightful Four. So... Look at you wrapping all of that up. Da, da, da. Um, we are super out of time. There is a lot to enjoy in 36. Yeah. Should I, know, we... I know you are not a fan, but yes. I'm, I'm wondering if we should actually leave it for the next episode because that is a lot of fright for in it. Yes, I think that's a great idea. We'll come back next next episode, talk immediately about Annual 2, The Origin of Doctor Doom and the Final Victory of Doctor Doom, and then launch in from like 36 to 48 which is going to be, I think, an amazing set of transitions. Well, let, let's do 36 through 47. Oh, okay. Uh, if only because isn't 48 the opening? Of, it is. It's the opening of the Galactus arc. Oh, shit. Yeah, then we've got to end it at 47 then. Yeah. Oh, man. Or, or have some crossover. Let's, people who are reading along with us, read through mm-hmm. 37 to 48, just in case. Read yeah. through uh, annual three as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will try and make it through somewhere around 47. Well, the problem is 48 ends the cliffhanger from 47 and then launches the Galactus arc. Right. It's kind of a midway like, sort it's of half thing. half and half. Yeah. yeah. Shit. I remember um, that's such a so weird... So let, let's, let's say we're going to be fudging it a bit with the next episode. But that's probably for the best, seeing as this episode, as you can hear... We didn't even make it through the 13 issues. See, that's where I'm kind of thinking, like, maybe because we're going to do Annual 2 and Annual 3 next time, we should actually curtail it and do, like, do you know, does it end around, is there a good breaking point in, like, issue 46 or something that we can? (laughs) Shit. Yeah, okay. Well. There's not. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but what is a plus of that, I think, is because it really does become much more than has been for a continued narrative. Yes. Uh, I think we're going to be able to talk about issues in batches as opposed to individual issues, which is what we've been doing. Well, I, I, I know, but it's, things up. but it's for, for me, I'm like, you're absolutely right, Graham. But I'm like, but no, because we're getting to that era where like... Oh, no, we're getting to the greatness. I know. Yeah. You know, uh, but also next time, we're not going to have half an hour of technical difficulties that completely screw us. That's true. That is true. 
Knock on wood. That that's what we're saying, listeners. Uh, <laughs> maybe we're right. Yes. Um, it has been a somewhat rushed, somewhat frustrating at the beginning, but overall joy for us. Yes. To uh, Baxter Building, uh, we should thank all of you, but in particular the ninety-six patrons who are supporting us. Um, you are all lovely human beings, and it is through our Patreon supporters. Uh, that we have been able to do Baxter Building in the first place. Yeah. Uh, those who are wondering what the hell I'm talking about, uh, patreon.com forward slash wait what podcast, and you will see the people who have been kind enough to uh, pay us to do this, which is kind of ridiculous, um, and also <laughs> an explanation of what that actually means and what people get in response to that. Um, if you're looking for us elsewhere on the internet, we're at waitwhatpodcasts.com. We have a Tumblr, which is waitwhatpods.tumblr.com. On the Twitters, we are at waitwhatpodcasts. Uh, on the Twitters, I am Graham M, at Graham M. Jeff is at Lazy Bastard. That's right. Jeff, can you spell that? Because I always get it spelled wrong. Oh, it's fine. L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. And uh, Graham M, as you know, of course, is G-R-A-E-M-E-M. So check us out there. Mm-hmm. I think that's all we need to say. I Do think we so. We'll be back there? next week with a regular episode of the Wait What podcast. And then I think there's a skip week after that. Check in with us the second week, I believe, of... April, gosh, time's flying for the next episode of the Baxter. Bit. No, that's when we're recording. I guess yes, the no, Monday we, of the third week. Yeah, sorry. Um, the, it's the, so, all yes. going crazy. And also, my family's coming into town, so I might have to force <gasps> other skip weeks. Oh, man. I have calendars. Yeah, it's been a wacky, wacky time, listeners. Um, but I will say this very, very quickly. If you are not sick of the sound of my voice, I am going to be guesting on an episode of Into It with Al Collins that I believe is not going is going live next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are not already listening to the Intuit uh, podcast, you should. It's great. And I am talking with Elle about Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Fantastic Four and we talk about New Gods and we talk about wow. uh, the Dingbats of Danger Street. Oh, man. And, uh, Omac. We talk a lot about Omac. We talk about Big Barda. We talk about uh, Devil Dinosaur. L really likes Devil Dinosaur. Holy um, crap! That's and great. Captain America. The seventies Captain America stuff. We talk about a bunch. Uh, we talk about is Steve Ditko the anti Jack Kirby, and we uh, talk about the one truth of Kirby's work, which I will not mentioned here so you all listen to find out what the one truth of Kirby's work is wow how long was this how long is this going to be do you know it's like an hour and a half wow wow so that, that's if you are not sick of the sound of my voice if you are I completely understand I am <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening it's been great and we will be back very soon on both Wait What and Baxter Building Jeff would you like to sing us out uh, yes one second Bye!